Gee, Pines, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pluto. Talk about Pinky and the Brain. podcast dedicated to the beloved cartoon characters Pinky and the Brain as we chronicle their evolution episode by episode from Animaniacs to their two spin-off series and all the way to the Animaniacs reboot. My name is Mary Jo, but my pals also call me MJ or Pines. And I'm Kelly, but you can also call me Mitch or Pluto. So the main objective of this podcast is to review every single episode of Pinky and the Brain, starting from their segments in the original Animaniacs, all the way through the Pinky and the Brain spinoff, as well as the dreaded Pinky Elmira in the Brain series, and up to the Animaniacs reboot. In each episode, we'll get into the nitty gritty, highlighting what we enjoyed about the episode and or giving out some proper criticism. We'll provide some fun facts regarding any pop culture references or behind the scenes info, And at the very end, we'll give out our NARF rating, which is our little rating system based on a 1 to 10 scale, with 1 being an I resent this and 10 being world dominating. So as you can imagine, we started this podcast out of a love for Pinky and the Brain. The show and its titular characters, they become very near and dear to our hearts, as have the friends we've made and the community surrounding it. So this is our way of not only giving back to the creators of the series who have given us so much to enjoy, but also a means of simply engaging further in in-depth conversation about the show, as well as providing the fan base with more content to whet their appetite. So we hope you enjoy listening to our thoughts on these beloved characters as much as we enjoy rambling about them. So since this is a pilot episode, we just want to cover some of the basics surrounding a brief history with these characters throughout their four series, as well as how we came across them and why we love these characters so much. And then the next episode, we'll start off with a proper review. So for now, let's get into a brief history, starting with the Animaniacs. It's time for Animaniacs, and we're saying it to the max. After the success of Tiny Toons Adventures, Steven Spielberg and a handful of Tiny Toons writing team were eager for another animated series that would appeal to all ages. And director Tom Ruger, who was responsible for the creation of Tiny Toons, was given the task of coming up with a new idea. He came up with the idea of a trio of siblings whose personalities were inspired by his own children. Originally envisioned as platypuses, which were pulled from a student film Ruger made, the trio eventually became the beloved characters whom we know today as the Warner Brothers, Yakko Wacko, and the Warner sister Dawn. Animaniacs were premiered in September of 1993 and ran until November of 1998, being succeeded by a direct-to-video feature film in 1999 called Wacko's Wish. The series was presented as a variety show, sporting short skits, catchy musical numbers, and a large cast of characters, including two particular memorable ones, Pinky and the Brain, who had a total of 18 official episodes in the show's five-season run. So moving on from Animaniacs to the history of Pinky and the Brain, during the first season of Animaniacs, it was abundantly clear that the mice became the fan favorites and kind of the breakout characters, so... 
the creative team decided to try a little experiment by producing a half hour Pinky and the Brain episode in the Animaniac show, and it was called Spellbound. And this served as a backdoor of sorts, like a pilot, to test if they could carry their own show. And the episode was generally well received. The characters graduated from the shorts department to their own show, which became Pinky and the Brain. And this premiered in September of 1995, airing on the WB primetime schedule. Gee, Brain, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. An laboratory mice, the teens have been sliced. The Pinky. It was the first animated show to be aired in Dolby Surround Sound. And the show was a hit with both critics and viewers. Went on to win a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program in 1996 for the episode of Pinky and the Brain Christmas and Outstanding Special Class Animated Program at the Daytime Emmys in 1999 as well as winning many other awards and getting nominated for some during its run. The voice actors for Picky and the Brain, Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche, they also received awards for their performance as the titular characters, with Rob winning a Daytime Emmy for his performance as Pinky in 1999, as well as two Annie Awards, one in 1996 and another in 1997, while Maurice LaMarche picked up an Annie Award for his performance as Brain in 1998. The spinoff ran for four seasons, with a total of 66 produced episodes, consisting of 97 segments. The show ended in November of 1998. And moving on from Pinky and the Brain, there is Pinky Elmira in the Brain, which is quite possibly one of the most ill-conceived television shows ever. The situation's changed for Pinky and the Brain. No laboratory alone in the rain. And someone's looking round for where they might be found. It's Pinky for Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. The pressure The background for this show was very fascinating, as Pinky and the Brain initially aired on primetime, but it had the unfortunate time slot of Sunday nights at 7, which was the same time slot as 60 Minutes, which was huge. So after a while, Pinky and the Brain was brought back to daytime schedule on the Kids WB programming block. But the executive felt that the show should have more similarities to a regular sitcom, such as giving Pinky and Brain girlfriends, a family, or other friends. The problem with that is that Pinky and the Brain works best as a comedic duo, and shoving a third character in would have caused the whole thing to fall apart. The writers even made fun of this idea once with the episode Pinky and the Brain and Larry where a third character modeled after Larry Fine was placed in the show without any explanation at all. I thought that plan was really going to work, Brain. And, um, Larry? So did I, Pinky. And Larry. Hello. Additionally, writer and producer Peter Hastings voiced his own complaints in the episode You'll Never Eat Food Pellets in This Town Again before he left Warner Brothers. And in that episode, it vividly illustrates his frustrations with executive meddling as Pinky and the Brain were presented as actors who became frustrated with how their show lost its luster due to unnecessary changes thrusted upon by the network to appeal to a certain demographic. Unfortunately, the executives did not listen, and they decided to pair the mice off with Elmira from Tiny Toons Adventures, and the whole thing was pretty awful. 
Yeah, it's it's not a good show. We'll be going into that later later on in our podcast when we get to that uh, particular show. We'll go through every episode. But yeah. we'll voice how we feel about it later on in this episode. We will. That's true. We will in this episode, too. <laughs> it's uh, not a good show. <laughs> not at all. So uh, moving on to the uh, last show we'll be covering is Animaniacs The Reboot, which premiered in 2020 last year. Gee, Brian, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. So in 2018, it was announced that Animaniacs would be rebooted, having an order of two seasons to be aired on Hulu. It's now been greenlit for a third season, in fact, so we'll be getting even more of these characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The reboot would bring back the Warners and Pinky and the Brain, which they did, and those were two of the most popular segments from the show, the original show, that is, so that's not too surprising. The reboot also brought back the voice actors for those characters. So Rob Paulson, who voiced Yakko and Pinky, came back. Marisla Marsh, voice of the brain, returned. As did Jess Harnell, who voiced Wacko. And Tress McNeil, who is the voice of Dot. And also Frank Welker, who voices Ralph the security guard. Yes, yes. That's a great point. I forgot about that. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, he returned yeah. as well. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so the first season premiered on November 20th, 2020. It was generally well-received by viewers. Received kind of mixed reviews from the critics, but it's done well enough for itself that it is indeed getting more seasons. The Pinky and it the- was also one of the highest viewed shows on Hulu. It was, yeah. It got pretty high ratings on Hulu, uh, which is good news for those of you that enjoy the show. It means we'll be getting more content. So, as you can imagine, the Pinky and the Brain segments received the most praise, with many viewers and critics saying that the formula and its characters were not too drastically altered. And that they were just as funny as they were in the 90s. And they pretty much have been. They are some of the best segments in the show. It has oh, absolutely. Up, yeah. It has its ups and downs, but generally the reboot has been doing pretty well for itself, which is good news for us fans. So now we're going to move on to talking about ourselves a little bit, where we're going to talk about how we came across the show. So I'm, I'll start things off. So I first encountered Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain when I was a little girl. I lived within walking distance of a blockbuster, so I rented out a lot of the Animaniacs VHS tapes, as well as Wacko's Wish, which I watched a lot as a kid. And I also remember watching the reruns on Kids WB, and I was pretty much enamored with the characters right off the bat. I remember singing the theme song around the house and shouting Narf a lot, much to my mom's dismay and my dad's delight. And there were specific episodes that I do vividly remember watching, such as Bubba Boba Brain, from the original Animaniacs. Some episodes from the spinoff, such as Pinky at the Bat and Brainstorm. But the one little moment that I particularly remember most was the ending of Sir Yaxalot. At that moment where it was revealed that Pinky and Brain were operating the dragon the whole time. And that the villagers <laughs> sang them off before they got smushed by the dragon leg. And I just thought that was really hilarious. I love that bit. <laughs> Naughty frog! Love! <laughs> Hysterical, Pinky. Mush? But why? We were trying to destroy Camelot in yet another attempt to take over the world. Come, Pinky. Back to the drawing board. Stand in the corner! Naughty frog! (laughs) And over the years, I revisited the show every now and again. 
When I was in high school, I found a lot of Animaniacs clips on YouTube and a lot of the song segments and some clips from Pinky and the Brain as well. And I also remember watching, along with songs like the Yakko's World or the President's Song, I remember watching Brainstem, and I thought that was really amusing. And I also remember catching some episodes of Pinky and the Brain when it aired on JetX, which is a sister channel of Disney back in the day. But then I, remember I didn't really go back too deep into the show until fall of 2020. After watching the trailers from the Animaniacs reboot, I decided to rewatch both shows just to see how they hold up. So I started my rewatch off with a Pinky in the Brain Christmas and a Pinky in the Brain Halloween because it was closer to Halloween when I watched it. And I instantly, I just fell in love again with these characters. And I was especially moved by how poignant those two episodes are. The Christmas episode obviously is very iconic in some ways and it's such a wonderful tearjerker. It's so emotionally potent. But I also have to give a lot of credit to the Halloween episode because of just how heartfelt it was. Also because nobody really expects a Halloween episode to be so emotional. They usually expect scares, you know, they don't expect a lot of character drama. And for those who need a refresher, in the Halloween episode, after a fight, Pinky sells his soul to the devil so he can give Brain the world. And at first Brain is happy about receiving the world because that's what he's always wanted. But then after a while, he realizes how hollow his victory is because Pinky isn't around. So Brain essentially traverses the bowels of hell just to get Pinky back. Isn't there any torture you don't like? The only real torture is being away from our best friend. Pinky! Brain! Yes! I have traversed the bowels of the infernal regions and survived. I suppose you've come to rescue your little friend. Oh, Brain! You need me! Once I watched those two episodes, I was just so enamored with their relationship that I rewatched the whole spinoff series and I truly appreciated just how cerebral and witty the show is in regards to the clever banter or the fun world domination schemes, as well as the various political and pop culture humor that's paired it along with the slapstick humor. Also, rewatching both shows has really reignited my creative muse in a way. After taking a break from writing fanfiction for a couple years, I just decided to pick it back up again, and I wrote quite a few stories. And that, in turn, got me to be involved in Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain fan community, which was also really cool, because I got to meet a lot of awesome people like Kelly. And that, in turn, inspired me to create this podcast. So that way we could share our love and passion for these funny cartoon mice with the rest of the world. Yeah, we love having you in this community, Pines. It's people like yourself and so many of our friends and others in this community that just that make the world go round, that bring this fandom together. Oh, yeah. There's We're just all... so many creative people out there. So many great fan artists, fan writers, people who post out theories or predictions, or people who kind of highlight things from certain episodes. It's great. Like, there's so many awesome and creative and clever people out there. It is. It's a very artistic and sometimes energetic fandom with a lot of talent at play. A lot of people that love this show. I just love seeing shows, movies, books, whatever, that bring people from all corners of the world together because they love this one central thing and it just brings them all together. I just think that's such a cool, such a cool thing that's happened in so many fandoms, this one included. It's kind of like... Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of Brain having already taken over the world in a way because yeah, like, yeah, because like he and Pinky, like this show, it's it's captured our hearts. It's captured yeah, the hearts it like it became a hit, and then now they have their own show again. So and like a lot more people are creating fan art of them. Some more shippy than others, but I love that too. <laughs> Freaking yeah, Nation <it's> like, Unite. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's brought people from all over the world together. We have friends who are from England, South America, Mexico. Yeah, people from Poland. Yeah, from Poland. It's like, you name it. Somebody has seen the show and loved it, and everyone's come together as a result. It's, it's just great. Yeah, and there's just so much enthusiasm and intelligence and grace that these people have, and they have so much love, and it's great seeing that passion out there. Absolutely. So we'll probably say this a number of times, but if anybody who worked in the show is listening to this, thank you so much for taking the time to make this show because yep. it has brought us together as friends, brought us together as a community and just added more zest to our lives. And we really appreciate that. And this is for anyone who worked on both like the original and the reboot. We see you. We see what you've put out. It's great. We love it. It brings us together. And we're so grateful for your work. Absolutely. I guess going on to my history of how I got introduced to the show, my introduction to Pinky and the Brain also began at a pretty early age. My dad is actually a veteran artist in the animation industry, and he was one of the original directors on the Animaniacs show in the 90s. So when the series ran its course on cable, I was right there in front of the TV. I was pretty young. I would say maybe around five or six when I could actually remember watching the show. And I enjoyed the crazy antics of the Warner kids, but I didn't really fully appreciate the sarcastic wit and kind of more subtle adult humor of the Pinky and the Briggs segments in their spinoff. My most vivid memory of those characters at that time, in fact, it was a brain upsetting Pinky in the episode That Smarts. And Aww. I remember being really ticked off at Brain for disturbing this little character that I, I loved. And so my last memory of these guys for a good 20 plus years was basically just Pinky crying. Like that was the oh, image no. that I had in my head for years of Pinky and the Brain. So. That just kind of sat in my head for a while. I'd occasionally look up a clip of Animaniacs on YouTube, maybe one of the songs or something, but I just didn't touch the show for many years, post-2000 or something. Until 2019, when my now fiancé and I revisited every episode of both Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain, and I just fell in love with the characters. It was like, why did I stave off of this for so long? I'd forgotten all these funny moments. I'd forgotten how clever the show was, how engrossing it could be, how lovable the characters were. So I just kind of really dove back into it. And Regarding Pinky and the Brain specifically, I particularly got involved in that starting with the Pinky and the Brain Christmas. So I would say in summer or fall of 2019, I was looking for fan fiction to read. <laughs> I didn't find anything in the subjects I normally followed. I got desperate. I just picked a category and I landed on Pinky and the Brain. And I was like, okay, I'll read a story here. And I found one that I thought was really cute, kind of sad, sort of poignant. So I wanted to expand upon it. It inspired me. So I took a crack at writing my own fan fiction of the characters, and it turned out okay, but I didn't really do a lot of research beforehand on the show, because I hadn't watched it in years. So I decided to look more into it, and my exploration took me to a clip of the Christmas episode on YouTube, and my heart was just so touched by it. Like, I found myself kind of tearing up. Dear Santa, hello, haha, Narf. This year, Santa, I ask for nothing, but I wish to tell you about my dear friend, The Brain. He is honest and very hardworking, and only wants what's best for the world, but he gets no reward. He is only greeted with defeat. He never gives up, but I know it must be very hard. So please, take anything that you had for me and give it to my best friend in the whole world, the brain. Like, I'd seen the episode before, but it had been a long time. I'd forgotten about it. I had not remembered how potent the love was between these little guys, so... That just like inspired me to do research further. So I did more research in the show. 
I ended up, of course, watching the entire series of my fiance. I started drawing fan art, writing more fan fiction stories, engaging in the community and what they led to another. And here I am uh, doing this podcast with the uh, lovely Pines here. So it's amazing what where your fan fiction travels can lead you, I guess, when you get desperate for more stories. <laughs> it led from there to here. I guess if there's any moral or takeaway, when in doubt, read some fanfic. I guess you never so. Know, you might fall <laughs> in love with the show and start your own podcast. You just might. But I regret absolutely nothing. I am very happy where I'm at now. This has been one of the most productive times of my life artistically because of the show. Um, I love these characters so much. And I think the show is fantastic. I love the friends that I made in this fandom. So thank you, Animaniacs crew. <laughs> Sorry, Pines, I interrupted you. What'd you say? Oh, that's okay. I just said, and we love you too, Pluto. Aw, we love you, Pines. <laughs> so moving on, we're going to just briefly go over our thoughts on the four shows. Going back and forth, just seeing how we thought about them. Let's talk about <laughs> Animaniacs and how we kind of feel about it. So for me, with Animaniacs, I feel like it's a show that I enjoy a lot, even though I will admit that the quality of the various segments are very mixed. I mean, you got the heavy hitters that a lot of people, including myself, love, like the Warners, Pinky and the Brain, Slappy Squirrel, and even the good idea, bad idea segments. But from there, I feel like a lot of the rest of the segments range from fairly entertaining to pretty terrible. You got ones that have a good one every once in a while, like The Good Feathers or Rita and Runt. They had some good ones, but also some not so good cartoons. And then the Randy Beeman ones are very cute. But then there's like really not so good ones. The Mindy and Buttons ones are just so frustrating and just so weirdly mean. And it's just, I don't even know why they decided to make a whole segment from that. <laughs> um, and I'm not really too fond of the Hippos or Katie Kaboom either. I mean, Chicken Boo's kind of okay. I don't really find him particularly funny, but you know, he's there. He's but I feel like out of all of the top tier segments... I feel like Pinky the Brain is arguably the best thing to come out of Animaniacs. Because I feel like the quality of their shorts range from good to fantastic. And I also felt like the show was at its peak during the first season. Because they turned out a lot of really great and fantastic cartoons. Like A Christmas Plots, Yes Always, Bubba Boba Brain, The Warners and the Beanstalk, Bumby's Mom, Brain Meets Brawn, Clownin' Out, Les Miserana Malls. And all the really fun and really fantastic song segments like Yakko's World, Wacko's America, The Senses Song, and Yakko's Universe. And while I feel like the last two seasons of the show weren't really as great compared to the first, I actually do enjoy Wacko's Wish, the movie, and I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I feel like it was a really nice send-off to the characters and the show as a whole. So... With my thoughts out, Kelly, what did you think of Animaniacs? Yeah, I agree with you on that. I like the show a lot. I think the concept's great. It's got a really fun cast of characters. You mentioned the musical numbers, which are incredibly well-written, very fun and memorable. Animation's often top-notch, and the voice actors and crew, they put their all into it, and it shows. It's not a perfect show, but it's a darn good one. <laughs> I have, regarding Animaniacs, I actually have more fond memories of playing one of the video games with my sister than of the show itself. It was called the... Animaniacs Game Pack, and we ran it into the ground. So we actually have more like fond memories of the game than the show itself. But having rewatched it, yeah, it's a really solid show. You can see how it stands the test of time. A lot of the jokes still land great. The songs have stayed in people's memories for years and years and are still like well beloved and memorable. The characters are iconic. 
it's just a solid show. So yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's great. I was actually going to say, I have a similar memory where I enjoy the game more than the movie. And that movie just so happened to be Space Jam. <laughs> but That's cool. with that out of the way, I'm glad that you enjoy the show as well, Kelly. Now let's move on to our thoughts on the Pinky and the Brain spinoff. And while I do enjoy Animaniacs a lot, I feel like Pinky and the Brain is a stronger and more consistent show. And it's really solid proof that these two characters can successfully carry their own show. I love how creative and fun the stories are and how they manage to keep the formula fresh and interesting without going stale. And I found it a little ironic that the show with the formulaic plot just managed to be so fresh and creative throughout its runtime, while Animaniacs as a variety show had a dip in quality near the last legs of its run. The other thing that surprises me the most is there's a surprising number of half-hour episodes in Pinky and the Brain. So there's 36 half-hour episodes, while Animaniacs only had seven, which really kind of tells how engaging Pinky and Brain are. They can be able to hold your attention for 22-minute runtime. But I think the best thing about the show is that it dug deeper into these characters and their relationship, as there were a good amount of episodes that were emotionally potent, such as A Pinky and the Brain Christmas, Snowball, The Pink Candidate, Welcome to the Jungle, Megalomaniacs Anonymous, This Old Mouse, A Pinky and the Brain Halloween, Lego My Ego, and many others. And I felt like my favorite episode is Megalomaniacs Anonymous, because it does explore Brain's psyche, and that he does seek out help from other people pertaining to his obsession with taking over the world. And the whole support group matter was actually treated fairly gracefully. This is also inspiring. You want to let go of this control issue, don't you, Brain? Yes. You've been obsessing, Brain, struggling with deep-seated guilt, manipulated by your emotions. Yes. Then own your power, my friend. Stand with your wounded inner child and find peace in the outer world. Yes! I must release my conflicting issues and learn to love me. And then the latter half of the episode is dedicated to Brain helping out Pinky as it highlights their codependent relationship. And at the very end, Brain does want to take over the world again, but he changes his motivations now. He doesn't want to rule the world solely for his own ego, but he wants to rule the world and make it a better place. But also there's a lot of really fun and creative episodes out there as well, such as Brain Acres, Brain's Way, That's Not All Folks, Brinky, and Napoleon Brain Apart. And it's just great stuff. And out of all the shows that I've revisited, I had the most fun revisiting Pinky and the Brain. Yeah, ditto to all of that. I also have had the most fun revisiting that particular show out of all the ones that they did at that time. And I got to detour for a second. Thank you so much for mentioning Megalomaniacs Anonymous. It's one of my favorite episodes as well. It's just a really sweet, touching episode that really delves more into brain psyche and as does Lego by Ego and others. But yeah, that's that's one of my favorites too. There's a lot of good ones out there. So like Pines, I agree and that Picky and the Brain is a show that has a stronger, more grounded script and they features the best character dynamic, I think, of all the Animaniacs cast. So as entertaining as the idea is of two laboratory mice trying to take over the world, it wouldn't be nearly as engaging if the characters themselves didn't have any chemistry and they definitely have chemistry. Like you can feel the love that Picky and Brain have for each other and that's what just keeps the show running. 
They're not just two-dimensional entities. They have layered personalities. They have detailed backstories. Rather tragic one, actually, in the case of Brain, which we see in Lego My Ego and the episode Snowball and others. You can really sympathize and in some cases empathize with these characters, which only makes them just pop off the screen all the more. And the writing is just, I think it's brilliant. There's slapstick that the kids can enjoy, but the jokes are honestly aimed more towards the adults. So it's fun to go back to the show and appreciate all the more of the inside humor and the clever comedy that permeates it. So yeah, out of all the relationships between the characters and Animaniacs, I think Pinky's and Brain's works the strongest. I can see why this show has done as well as it has. Especially for, it went on as long as it has. Yeah. Like it went on for four seasons. For a long which time. Is amazing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. And again, like, it's because of the love between these characters. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't have the show, or at least you wouldn't have it be as strong as it is. I feel like all that is just a testament to how strong these two characters are. Yeah, I agree entirely. Now that we're going from something great to something (laughs) terrible. Something absolutely the opposite of what we were talking about. Let's talk about Pinky, Elmira, and the Brain. I'll I'll go first. Yeah, please do. I absolutely despise the show. And they honestly should have called it Executive Meddling, the animated series. <laughs> they should have. Because it's true. <laughs> like, the, most of the episodes are just so unpleasant to watch. They are. And I think it's mainly because of that intolerable amount of animal abuse, which is sort of meant to be funny, but it just comes off as just unnerving and just awful. And I think it's even worse that Elmira is the one perpetrating all of this because her actions could easily be replicated by an impressionable kid watching the show. And that kind of makes it all the worse. Because you see these two characters that you love getting, like, beaten and battered, and then it's the little kid that's doing it, which is just not okay. It's so bad. And I think another really awful aspect of the show is how the dynamic between Pinky and Brain is essentially ruined here. Their personalities are way off because of just how mean and bitter they are towards each other. It practically feels like watching a couple getting divorced in real time. (laughs) In addition to that, there's an awful amount of awful musical numbers that are mainly shoved in to pad out the runtime. And while the show has humorous moments here and there in the occasional tolerable episode, such as The Man from Washington, the majority of the series is repugnant, as Brain would say. Repugnant! And the fact that it won a daytime Emmy is just baffling. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't know how it won an Emmy. (laughs) I'm with Pines. I absolutely detest the show, not just for the executive meddling involved, not just for the fact that it's a bad idea to begin with, but because of the disrespect it serves to the original Pinky and the Brain spinoff along with the torturous experiences that the characters go through. Like, I I legit feel bad for the writers. Like, they clearly did not want to make this drivel, but they didn't have much of a choice. They did what they could with it. I'm not blaming, you know, the artists, you know, or the crew. They were just given this and told, you gotta do the show, and they didn't want to, but they took what they were given and did what they could with it. So, occasionally you do get a good joke here or there. And in the case of such segments as How I Spent My Weekend, Pinky's Playhouse, even The Raven, I would argue, I think is a pretty well-written episode in that series. So in the case of those, sometimes you're rewarded with, you know, a decent episode where the writers were able to wriggle something good in there. <laughs> but in general, the series greatly dilutes what made Pinky and the Brain a success in the first place. It damages the potent dynamic between the characters and conflates physical comedy with instances of animal abuse that, for some reason, is meant to be seen as enjoyable, which it absolutely is not here. You know, there's a difference between effective slapstick humor and literal torture for torture's sake. Brain, in particular, is rarely given a break in this and is presented as one of the only intelligent beings in the show with any sense. So it makes it frustrating all the more for both him and the viewer. And like yourself, I don't know how this show won an Emmy. 
I know that I think a couple of the voice actors, I think Rob Paulson and... Um, and Curry Summers, I think yeah. they won Emmys. They did win, I think, some awards for their performances. Rob Paulson did Pinky and Curry Summers did Elmira. And they do their jobs very well. Absolutely nothing wrong with the voice acting. They were brilliant. I think they still did enjoy working on it and doing the voices of these characters. But unfortunately, the show was just a bad idea to begin with. And I'm glad that it didn't last very long. <laughs> I would not recommend it unless you are really desperate for more picking in the brain content and you want to see like what they did with this. I think even one of the writers proclaimed it as non-canon. It was so detested. But if you're that desperate for more content, there it is. Now with that out of the way, let's talk about the reboot. I feel like the show is fairly enjoyable despite a lot of the highs and lows of season one. I felt like the Warner segments in particular are very hit or miss. Although they do have a lot of misses. And I feel like those characters feel a bit more cynical compared to their 90s counterparts. And they're not really the fun, energetic kids with the zest for life and causing playful chaos. But I think the biggest issue with that there's too many Warner segments. So Animaniacs is meant to be a variety show. But because they only brought back the Warners and Pinky and the Brain, and there wasn't really enough new content... They had to like put in a new formula of a typical episode being one Warner segment, one Pinky in the Brain segment, and another Warner segment. Although I will say that there are a couple of ones that I do genuinely enjoy. I do like the first episode. I like that. As well as the Halloween episode. And I thought those were pretty yeah, great. The Halloween episode was pretty good. However, I feel like the Pinky in the Brain segments are the highlight of the show. Since their segments are more intriguing and they're consistently funnier. But with that said, there are things that I really like and things that I dislike about the certain changes that they've made for those characters. For the things that I dislike, I'm not really too keen on some of the tweaks made to their characters, and that could especially be seen in episode 8, which I did not like at all. And I'll explain when we get to the reboot why this episode just did not sit well with me. However, there are aspects of the new Pinky in the Brain that I do generally enjoy. I love the updates to their character designs. And just how expressive the animation is on them. Especially with the facial expressions for Brain. And they also managed to put out a lot of genuinely enjoyable segments. Such as Of Mice and Memes, How Did Brain Your Dragon, No Brainer, Future Brain, and Bride of Pinky. Which are packed with some great jokes and great character moments. Another fascinating aspect of this iteration of the show that I really like is there seems to be putting more focus on potential arcs. And exploring the characters and their relationship a little bit as we see in episodes like Future Brain and Rodent Trip. And they do kind of put it in the seas of an overarching story, especially with the Julia arc, which hopefully the follow-up episode would be better than her debut episode, as well as the possibility of Future Brain coming back. There is promise that the show will improve in the following seasons, and I'm hoping that they're right in that regard and that we do get more enjoyable stuff down the road. Yeah, mirroring that, my thoughts on the reboot are kind of mixed. On the one hand, like you can tell that the crew worked really hard to appeal to both the old fans of the show and the newcomers, while also adding their own spin to the series, their own flavor to it. So but while the reboot certainly has its moments, most of the Warner segments and the new skit fall kind of flat for me. The siblings come across as a little out of character sometimes. The jokes lead very heavy politically, which was a thing in the original, I will admit. But it feels like they kind of hammered it on even more so here. A little too much, in my opinion. The gross-out humor was laid on to an excessive degree. I just particularly don't care for gross-out humor. If you do, that's great. They really layer it on in this reboot, and I personally did not care for that. 
Also, the dynamics between the characters felt a little bit unbalanced on occasion, just kind of how the siblings would treat one another. Sometimes felt in character, other times it felt a little bit harsh and things that they might not have done in the original. So that kind of had to get a little bit used to that. As you mentioned, Pines is a more cynical and kind of sarcastic air about the show. The jokes for me don't really land as much, and the cute sibling moments were few and far between. Like, in the original show, I felt like there were more, like, cute little moments between Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. There's a couple of moments, actually, in the original show where one of the siblings, like Dot maybe, just wouldn't really be feeling it. (laughs) She didn't really feel like doing the show (laughs) or acting in that particular episode, and her brothers would be like, hey, are you okay? Do you want to take a break? We could just step out of this episode if you want to. And she'd be like, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, it was cute. So there were little moments like that in the original show where the siblings, like, they love each other and they look out for each other. And you don't see that quite as much here, so I miss that. Maybe we'll get more of it in season two, but I do miss those really sweet little moments between the siblings. So there are some highlights, though. I thought the Halloween episode was particularly nicely done. It explored more in depth the siblings' personal fears, which was kind of interesting, and we didn't really see a ton of in the original, at least not from characters like Yakko. So that was kind of interesting. The voice actors still sound great all these years later. I was particularly impressed with Tress McNeil's performance as Dot. She still sounds fantastic. She still sounds just like her. I was very impressed with that. And Rob Paulson, who had gone in and out of throat cancer, was still able to do the voices of these characters and do them well. And that was just great. The designs of the Warners are, I would argue, actually an improvement upon the original. The original series, the Warners were a bit more rounded, a bit more plushy. Whereas here, they're a little bit more angular. They actually give them canines, like they give them little sharp teeth, they give them a little bit more edges, they kind of slim down their figures a little bit, but they made them kind of look a little more animalistic, and I sort of like that. I think it complements their personalities more. They kind of have this chaotic nature, they tend to cause a lot of mischief, and I felt like the redesigns of those characters matched up with their demeanors more. One thing, I actually do love the little hair tufts on Wacko. I knew there was something I was missing. I like there was the canines and there was one other thing they changed about the designs. And yeah, it was the hair tufts they added, which was also really cute. I also like the little references to the original show, such as Wacko calling out his brother for getting all the attention on his Countries of the World song. That was kind of funny. So not the original crew and the score, which was composed by Julie and Steven Bernstein who were involved in music production for the original Animaniacs, is nothing short of fantastic. The score is brilliant. So, again, there's highs and there's lows. I feel like there's more lows than there are highs, but it has its moments. The Piggy and the Brave segments, on the other hand, is undoubtedly the strongest aspect of the show. The formatting, the witty humor, the relationship between these characters has generally remained intact. It does deviate here or there, some for better, some for worse. Pies mentions episode 8, which is kind of notorious for being disliked uh, in the fandom for a particular reason, which we will go more into when we get to the reboot. Yeah, I'd say uh, the reboot, the picky and the brain segments are the strongest out of all of them. So it has its up and downs, but I'm looking forward to season 2, and I'm hoping that we get more interesting back and forth conversations and relationships between these characters, some intriguing moments, new concepts. We'll see what they have to bring to us, but I'm looking forward to it. Now let's move on and discuss why we love these characters so much. I love Pinky and Brain individually and as a pair because they have such layered personalities, but they also have fantastic chemistry together. 
Like these two are about as different as night and day, but they also complement each other in different ways. And they share a lot of great banter. One aspect of this dynamic that I really enjoy is that it's a subversion of the evil mastermind and inept lackey trope. Usually you have a diabolical villain and their bumbling assistant who's mainly there to serve the villain. The very conditional relationship. But with Pinky and the Brain, these two in their relationship are much more nuanced than that. For one, for all of his intelligence, Brain can get a little in over his head at times, and the majority of his plan's failure stems from his hubris and lack of foresight. However, the reason he keeps Pinky around isn't because he needs a strong arm or a means to an end. He genuinely appreciates Pinky's loyalty and company, and whenever Pinky is in danger, Brain will go to the ends of the earth, and in one instance, travel through the bowels of hell to rescue him. He loves Pinky in his own unique way, even though he has a lot of trouble admitting his feelings, but his actions speak for him. And additionally, Brain's motives for world domination aren't solely for his own ego, but because he wants to make the world a better place for himself, Pinky, and everybody. And he believes that he can do a better job of running the world than the current people in charge. Another aspect of Brain that I really love is his determination and perseverance in the face of failure. After a plan backfires, he doesn't get discouraged. Instead, he picks himself back on his feet and plans for the following night. And I think that's such an admirable trait that deeply resonates with me. And Brain's voice actor, Maurice LaMarche, even stated that he sees that as the moral of the entire show. Never give up. You can always pick yourself back on your feet and try again. You can head back to the lab and prepare for tomorrow night. And I think that's such a beautiful interpretation of the show. But overall, I think Brain is a lovable and fantastic anti-hero. Pinky, on the other hand, is a goofy character who has a short attention span and sometimes has his head in the clouds. But he's surprisingly self-aware, as he has a good grasp on how humanity works in ways that Brain doesn't even understand. In addition to Pinky's emotional intelligence, as he has a big heart and a strong moral compass. Pinky isn't a useless tag-along either, as he does his best to help Brain out, and he's Brain's biggest cheerleader. And I absolutely despise the theory that Pinky is deliberately sabotaging Brain's plan because it goes against everything about his character. Because Pinky is highly supportive of Brain, he wants to see Brain succeed, and he wants to see his best friend find happiness and fulfillment. And I don't know what else to add other than that Pinky is a lovable little goofball with a lot of love to give. And again, these two are opposites, but their unconditional love and them complementing one another is what makes the relationship work. They're compatible despite their differences. And I would say Pinky and Brain stand as one of my favorite dynamic duos, alongside Dipper and Mabel from Gravity Falls, or Perry the Platypus and Dr. Duvenschmertz from Phineas and Ferb. And I found this really neat quote that I want to share. It's from a book called A Celebration of Animation, The 100 Greatest Cartoon Characters in Television History, which summarizes what I love about the show. And for the context, Pinky and Brain were ranked number 15 out of 100 different cartoon characters. And the author explains his reasoning with this quote. World domination has been a goal of cartoon villains since the first maniacal strains of laughter lifted up from an evil lair. But Pinky and Brain are no villains. They are heroes. Brain's motives are purely for the betterment of humanity. As he sees it, he is the only mouse for the job. Unlike traditional world domination storylines, there is no hero in tights attempting to foil the plans in Pinky and the Brain. Their failings are their own, and they accept them with dignified resignation yet renewed ambitions to try again. They are lovable failures in the great tradition of Wile E. Coyote and Charlie Brown. They are hopeful characters who never lose sight of their goals and will try again and again undeterred. Despite their failings and miscommunications, their friendship too remains intact. Their mismatched personalities perfectly complement each other, creating a balance of brilliance and incompetence, ego and modesty, 
complexity and simplicity. They are a modern, maniacal, animated incarnation of Laurel and Hardy. Their mismatched relationship is what makes the show so entertaining. The show's plot may revolve around world domination, but it would be equally compelling to watch the two of them collaborate on even the most mundane tasks. The world might just be a better place if it were ruled by Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> so Kelly, what do you think of these characters and why do you love them so yeah, much? Yeah, Pines, you pretty much hit the ball out of the park on this one. I don't really have a lot to add. You mentioned a lot of great points. So I agree with you on all those points. I love how raw the dynamic between these characters feel. They're not a duo you'd expect would click, and yet you can't imagine one without the other. I absolutely love their personalities and watching their crazy antics play out on the screen. Brain just mixed with this very lovable anti-hero, and Pinky harbors this sweet, compassionate, funny demeanor that's both entertaining and heartwarming at the same time. They have their faults and failings as characters, but this makes them feel more real. They don't let these challenges drive them from their goals or from each other, and that's just a beautiful thing about their relationship. You can see that they enjoy each other's company, they trust one another, and they love one another. I love a quote that Maurice LaMarche said at a comic panel. I don't remember where it was, but he said that Brain kind of sees Pinky as your favorite sweater that just itches. <laughs> it's like you love being around them even though they irritate you, and I think that's just a cute comparison kind of how Braden sees Pinky. He loves him even though he gets in his nerves sometimes. If we're going to take anything away from this show, it's that you can't really have a successful series like this without a believable bond being present between the characters involved. And Pinky and the Braid does this, and it does it very, very well. So, yes, I, I agree with you on all those points. You took the words right out of my mouth. Lastly, we're going to just talk about what to expect out of this podcast. So in addition to reviewing the episodes, we plan on getting our listeners involved as much as possible. At the end of every episode, we will ask you, the listener, what you thought about the episode that we covered and to send your responses through our email, which is thepointcast at gmail.com. And it's all one word in all lowercase. Originally, our email was going to be pointcast at gmail.com, but somebody else already beat us to the punch. And I have a sneaking suspicion that a pair of lab mice may or may not have stolen our idea to launch a podcast to seek the adoration of the masses. <laughs> yep. So you can email us at thepoicast at gmail.com. We will read aloud your responses at the beginning of every episode, starting with our review of the second Pinky in the Brain segment, Where Road and Stare. Yeah, send any of your questions, comments, concerns, anything that you might have to that. Just to spell it out for you, thepoicast. T-H-E-P-O-I-T-C-A-S-T, the podcast at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to take your comments, questions, concerns, whatever you have to share. Some of you might also be wondering, what about season two of the reboot? It is coming out later this year, supposedly. So you might be wondering, will we be reviewing that? Our answer to that is absolutely. In tandem with going through all the Picky and the Brain episodes in chronological order, we'll also be taking the time to give our thoughts on the latest season as it airs, along with any news revolving around the reboot. So stay tuned. We're not going to throw it to the wayside. Absolutely not. We will definitely review those episodes as they come out. So keep your ears open. Yes. And in addition, we also plan on bringing some special guests onto our show, including my sister and some of our friends in the Pinky and the Brain fandom and a director who worked on the original Animaniac show. Yeah, we're going to try and see if we can get my dad on the show, actually. If you want to look him up, his name is Leonard Robinson. That's Leonard L-E-N-O-R-D, Robinson. 
If you look him up on IMDb, you can see his history in the business. He did direct on the original Animaniac show. He did some storyboards on that, as well as did done a few boards on Pinky and the Brain, the spinoff. So we'll see if we can get him on and see if he can share his thoughts about working on the show. And continuing on from that, during the final portion of each episode, we will educate you with our very own word of the day. Speaking of which, our word of the day for our very first episode is... Pines, would you like to say it or would you like me to? <laughs> yes. Yes, always. Okay. <laughs> so the, our very first word of the day is precursory, which is an adjective. And I found two definitions for it, which are one, of the nature of a precursor or preliminary introductory. And the second definition is indicative of something to follow. So to put that word in a sentence, this pilot is a precursory episode of Pointcast in that it is a special where we lay down the groundwork and cover bases before we get into the standard review episodes. And that will be starting off with Win Big, the very first Pinky in the Brain segment on Animaniacs. <laughs> precursory, I love it. So we'll quickly drop our contact information you can find me on Twitter at Ace Librarian, and that's A-C-E hyphen Librarian, as well as on Tumblr, my username is Pinestraws, and that's Pines, P-I-N-E-S hyphen T-R-O-Z. And if you want to read my fanfiction, which ranges from humorous down-to-earth stories to cute brinky fix, you can find my works on Archive of Our Own under my username Congressman Mabel. That's all one word in all lowercase. That's Congressman Mabel. And you can reach me on Twitter at Michiki. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-K-I-E, Michiki. You can also reach me on Tumblr at PlutoArt. That's P-L-U-T-O-A-R-T, PlutoArt, if you like my artistic works. Or if you're into a bit of angsty fan fiction, you can check out my stories on AO3, and on FFN, fanfiction.net, under the username Michiki, same spelling as the Twitter account. Well, well, that's all the time that we have for today's episode. But now it is time for Pluto and I to head back to the lab and prepare for the next episode. Why, Pines? What are we going to do next episode? The same thing we do every episode, Pluto. Talk about Pinky and the Brain. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. The podcast was created for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not endorsed by Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment. All characters, sounds, and images related to Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Pinky Elmira and the Brain, and other Warner Brothers properties and trademarks are copyright their respective holders. The opinions of the host, co-host, and any podcast guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment.